0: Welcome to this extra special episode. Precious Snowflakes, episode number eighteen. Yes. Precious snowflakes is finally legal, folks. Yes, we are finally legal. I'm your host, Lelius Rose. I'm your other host, Ben Phelps. Yes. And all the way over here
1: With no with no microphone. The sounding can. sounding like you're in a can, yes. Uh, I don't really feel like I with uh, my microphone. Today is Thursday, October twelfth. It is. And we will be discussing guns. Guns, guns, guns! guns, guns. <laughs> uh, plus, I don't know, whatever else comes to mind. Liber- State of the art
0: bang bang. That's what we're, That's what it is. That's what it's all about. So let's... <laughs> Enough RoboCop references, alright,
1: fine. Okay. Maybe we should just jump right in. Uh, so... Recently, there was uh, a horrific act of violence committed in Las Vegas. Are we
0: going to talk about that? (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Well, that's what we're talking about vis-a-vis guns. (laughs) Oh, all right. All right. Uh,
1: Recently, there was this horrific act of violence committed in which many people died. And it took all of six minutes for the conversation to go from oh god, the horror, to let's figure out what weapons he was using and see if we can ban them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was it was like 15 minutes after the police reported that he was dead that Hillary Clinton tweeted imagine how much worse this could have been if he had had a silencer. (laughs) Which anyone who knows suppressors knows isn't true. Mm -hmm. Snopes actually did a very thorough piece on whether or not suppressors would have affected this particular incident, and their conclusion was no, under no circumstances, would a suppressor have affected this. That's um, true,
0: yeah. like That is, I mean, anyone who's heard what it sounds... I mean, silencers make guns a lot quieter, but they by no means make them
1: silent. They reduce them to below the threshold for immediate ear damage for the shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's like... The The thing that I saw is that an AR-15 is anywhere from 1,300 to 1,500 decibels. Mm-hmm. That is loud. A suppressor on an AR-15 could reduce that by 10 to 20 decibels. Mm-hmm. So that's almost nothing. I mean, it's, it's enough that you can be a little less uh, severe about protecting your own ears if you're the one firing it. But it's still going to be... That's still louder than thunder. Well,
0: my other... Uh, favorite, you know, sort of silly quote Was from CBS where, Talking about quote-unquote automatic rounds How oh, we should right. be Quote-unquote automatic rounds I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever <laughs> But
1: You <laughs> mean that thing that chased you around the corner Like in that Tom Selleck movie? <laughs> no but... Oh mm-hmm. um, uh... But now we get to The stickier one In that both The suppressor argument and all of the initial kerfuffling about, like, what was he using? How can we ban it? Most of that has quieted down. But the one that has stuck around and the one that is actually an area of rare disagreement between Lal and myself is bump stocks. Uh, would you like to give... Well, I mean,
0: we. I mean, I think anyone who's been paying attention understands what a bump stock is. Now, that's it's a it's basically a little slidey thing that goes on the replaces the the stock of your gun that allow that when you it basically allows you to get automatic type fire for them from a semi-automatic. It it lets you get automatic
1: type about the similar rates it, of fire. It uses the propulsion of. The explosion that is the rifle going off mm-hmm. to move you back into firing position faster in a way that can uh, dramatically increase fire rate at the cost of accuracy.
0: Yeah, although accuracy is not exactly a super big concern when you're firing into a crowd of 25,000
1: people. Right, it, so it depends on what your goal is. I mean,
0: I mean, generally when you're shooting at high rates of, you know, automatic type rates of fire, accuracy is not... I mean, if you're shooting into a big crowd of people, you're going to hit somebody. I mean, we're not talking about precision sniping here. I mean, everyone always says that, oh, at the expense of accuracy. It's like, that's that only matters if you're picky about
1: who you kill. It matters to the people who know things about it, though, because the... I I spent so... I should disclose here that when I ran for uh, Washington State House of Representatives last year, uh, the sort of one big endorsement and donation I received was from the Gun Owner Action League of Washington State.
0: Well, now we know you've been bought and paid for.
1: Yeah, I have literally received a check from the gun lobby. Uh, Oh, can you tell us for how much? It was $500. Is that enough for a gun? Well, the short answer is yes, but personally, I've always wanted to own a Colt Python, and those are going for anywhere from two to five grand, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like getting a $500 gift certificate from the Apple Store. It's mm -hmm. just just not enough. Uh, I I appreciate their contribution to the campaign. Uh,
0: Technically, I don't think you could buy a gun for the campaign. I don't think. No. (laughs) No. Shot at?
1: Mm.
0: Not yet. Not yet.
1: <laughs> um, no, that mostly went to cover costs like the cost of just running. Cost of applying to run. Um uh, anyway. So my response I mean my initial response to the whole Vegas situation was, Oh my god, this is horrific and awful my secondary response was well what can be done what who's as of right now as far as i know we still don't have a clear motive right no no there's no motive right there's no motive uh this guy seems to have been maybe he just did it because he thought it would be a thrill you know maybe he's just you know well he was he was wealthy he was relatively stable the one the one weird thing that does come up is that he may have had a record of domestic abuse uh and he's never been convicted but that may have less to do with his own guilt or innocence and more to do with the fact that he was a rich white guy, and it's hard to nail those people down for domestic abuse. mm mm-hmm. um, So, post-event, as people started to get more and more political about it, I wanted to look and see what like the real hardcore gun-havers were saying about it. And a lot of what I saw was people who were saying... You know that the nra is the nra has come out in favor of banning the bump stock a lot of people saying that the nra is never going to get a cent from them anymore which good uh but i what i saw is sort of what the the pro-gun community what they feel about the bump stock anyway and the general consensus is that bump stocks which are very common all yeah. over the place.
0: Well, they're cheap, you yeah, know. Bump
1: stocks are are a thing you bring to the range if you want to spray. You can't use it for hunting, probably not gonna use it for self-defense. You're gonna bring it to the range and just go like, Woo and so it's just a matter of fun. So there are thousands of them across the country that are mostly used by jackasses who just want to fire as many rounds as possible at a range Mm -hmm. and then one time it gets used in this horrifically violent way and now the conversation is should we or should we not ban it uh well my question is why
0: not ban it i mean if automatic weapons are banned why not ban this because how is this really different than than an automatic rifle
1: well, it's not an auto... It, it doesn't make it, the it, rifle It produces automatic. the
0: same result, which is a high rate of it produces a <laughs> similar result. Well, I mean, it produces way more than you would ever get from a semi-automatic otherwise. It allows you to shoot up, you know, you know double-digit rounds per second. I mean, that's not something that anyone's finger can do on its own.
1: In a practical sense, the only thing I can think of that it could be used for is suppressing fire. Uh... Because when you're sacrificing accuracy like that...
0: That's not the kind of thing you do in a home invasion. <laughs> suppressing suppressing fire. fire. Suppressing fire. Uh, <laughs> a suppressing fire. Laying down to suppressing fire.
1: That's that's the kind of thing you do in trench warfare, right? <laughs> well, that's the kind of thing we do all the time. Uh, I think the... I once saw a statistic that was like 600,000 bullets are expended for every person killed in war. Mm-hmm. Because mostly bullets are used for suppressing fire. Right. Um, but again, we're talking about war. Right. So my fundamental question is, Would uh, is one instance of abuse good enough to warrant banning a thing? Uh, and my general, my gut response is no.
0: Well, and my question is, how is this materially different than auto- an automatic weapon?
1: because you well
0: i mean the i mean maybe the 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 mechanism is different but the result is the same the result is you have you know like 8 10 12 rounds per second coming out of the gun that's effectively what you've got now it's illegal to modify like something like an AR15 to be automatic some people do it anyway but it's not that hard if you know what you're doing you can modify it and get it have it be a actual automatic you can also How is using a bump stock materially different it seems to me like it's just a loophole,
1: and it—that's well, why
0: I'm thinking. Well, why not ban it then?
1: <laughs> and it may well be a loophole, but fully, fully automatic weapons, which do exist in this country, sure, and which are legal under very special circumstances.
0: Right, they have to be manufactured before
1: 1986,
0: right, and you have to have a special permit.
1: Uh, they are statistically inconsequential to crime right well they're hard to get (laughs) they're not that
0: many of them it's very they're very expensive just like they cost you know in the in the five figures
1: right you just said if someone who knows what someone who knows what they're doing can modify an ar-15 sure to to function as a fully automatic rifle that is true that is fundamentally true especially now you can 3d print some of the parts you need some not all Mm -hmm. um And the rest you can do in a shop. And yet, they do not actually appear in crimes really that much at all. The AR-15 is used in crimes, for example, about as often as a hammer. Uh, If not slightly less, depending on the year.
0: They tend to show up a lot in, in massacres, though. Well...
1: Disproportionately. They tend (laughs) not an everyday street crime. Right, but here's the thing. Massacres included the number of people killed with AR fifteens is still less than the number of people murdered with hammers Mm -hmm. and clubs. Um
0: But then between an AR
1: fifteen and your garden
0: variety handgun is that the the ammo that it shoots is a lot more destructive. Does a lot more damage to a human body.
1: That entirely depends. It really does. The AR-15 is a platform, not a specific right. model.
0: But I mean, if you're shooting like
1: two, two, three, <laughs> compared right. to like a nine mm yeah, it's going to do a lot more damage. And yet, the most common, the most common for AR-15 is nine millimeter. Mm-hmm. There was actually, I was well, watching. Yeah, and the the, thing, I mean, the AR-15,
0: I get it. I mean, the AR-15 gets picked on because of it's it's a scary looking gun. I get it. What I'm talking about is high powered, you know, rifle ammo here getting shot in an automatic fashion. That's that's. Kind of beyond, I think. What's I, I just don't really see what the difference is between firing at nine rounds a second through a bump stock versus through a you know a full automatic M sixteen. What's the difference? Uh, Accuracy. Who I mean, if you're shooting into a crowd of people, what's the difference? What's... For
1: me, for me, it's not so much about what's the difference as as it is why are we spending so much time, energy, effort, money. On this particular issue Mm -hmm. when it is statistically uh, inconsequential compared to, you know, the most the most common uh, type of death that happens with a related to a firearm is suicide. Mm -hmm. Two thirds.
0: You know why? It's because we can. Because there's so because there's so because there's so much just inaction and gridlock and you know just inability to do anything when it comes to gun violence this is like one rare opportunity where you might actually be able to pass something and i think politicians are willing to you know take what they can get at this point
1: right but they're willing to but they're willing to take something that's so the bump stock ban is such an empty gesture Mm -hmm. when it comes to actual effect like it will affect Oh, I agree. Almost nothing. Probably not. And probably if somebody wanted to do the same thing again, they
0: probably would not have a hard time getting their hands on it, whether it's illegal or not. I I think it's more symbolic. But at the same time, is that a bad thing to be doing something symbolic at this point?
1: I think it's a bad thing to ban something in a way that is symbolic. Regardless of what that thing is. Uh, A symbolic ban is essentially uh, an official statement of the majority of this country don't like this thing so we're taking it away from the people who do Mm -hmm. and that's never good Mm -hmm. or at least almost never good yeah
0: i see your point i also don't really see the point of anyone really having one of these things (laughs)
1: because they want to be jackasses at the range you fire a million rounds there's a lot of things people want to be
0: jackasses about but that you know that doesn't mean but we don't anything you want but we
1: also don't stop them most of the time people people drive around in cars Mm -hmm. like jackasses all the time and until they actually you know harm somebody or break a law Hmm, they're allowed to keep being jackasses
0: somebody did (laughs) i mean you might say yeah one person did I i could make the argument that it was only a matter of time before someone took one of these things and decided to
1: use them. Well, and it's only I mean, a matter of time no, before we have a massive stabbing outbreak, mm-hmm. as has happened in no fewer than sure. three countries this year.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, you can do a lot more damage with a with a <laughs> with 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 an automatic weapon or a rifle with a bump stock than you can with a knife. I mean, let's and, be honest. Here. And
1: yet, they're not the weapon of choice for most people who want to commit major crimes. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you suppose
0: it is when we do have a a mass killing that they always tend to show up?
1: Well, first of all, it depends on how we define these mass shootings. Mass shooting is a term that appears in the media all the time. And it is almost always to describe an indiscriminate act of violence committed by a white man. (laughs) And I know... (laughs) The San Bernardino shooting? (laughs) That was a mass shooting. That was, right, that was described as a mass shooting until it was described as terrorism. Well, which it's it both. Um, <clears throat> but I'm talking about, uh, you yeah, one of the things that has been, like, a ridiculous problem that has come up in the last year is in the anti-Black Lives Matter protest. You often hear people yelling, like, what about black-on-black crime? <clears throat> but the thing is, those people are using it as sort of a weird excuse but they're not wrong that there's a black on black crime problem in this country black on black crime is not a thing well it's really poor on poor crime it's
0: it's 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 people who it's it's acquaintance on acquaintance crime is really what it is and most people who (coughs) most people who shoot other people Mm. shoot people that they're acquainted with they don't go around shooting random strangers and most people know most of the people the people they know are people of the same you know ethnic group, so when people shoot people, they tend to shoot people of the same color. That's why like eighty five percent of all you know black gunshot victims are shot by black people, and about eighty some percent of white people who who are, are shot by other white people. I black just wanna... on black crime is not a thing. Right. I just want to
1: clarify that when I bring up black on black crime, it's not like blame the blacks. Uh, oof. It's, it's to say there really is there really are major crime problems in inner cities the of sort of thing that are. people call black on black crime and the the funny reality is all these people saying what about black on black crime they're among the very few people who are like we could take that as an opportunity to say you know what we really do have serious violent crime problems in our inner cities that needs to get some serious attention there was a so loop this back to the Las Vegas incident. Pardon me. <clears throat> oh. there, there's a young woman who is a journalist and statistician who worked for 538. And she was part of a three-month investigation into gun violence in America. And she came into it as someone who is supremely anti-gun that's how she described herself It's very anti-gun and she would say that she still is she doesn't want one in her home she doesn't like seeing them you know they're not her thing at all but her conclusion after months and months of study was that broad gun control measures like the bump stock ban are all are essentially unjustifiable because you cannot justify a thing that will have no effect and what she proposes instead as three areas uh that need to be addressed the three places where where gun violence is most prevalent are uh suicides in particular middle-aged and older white men are the ones who overwhelmingly shoot themselves domestic violence uh the second largest group of you know sort of gun violence victims or domestic abuse victims and we need to reprioritize uh how we treat domestic violence complaints and actually enforce the restraining orders that would keep domestic abusers from getting their hands on weapons and the third is uh young poor crime in inner cities And we need to do more to identify people who are at risk of being pulled into gang culture. Sure. Uh, Those are three areas, all this energy, all this effort, all this, whatever that we're expending, talking about bump stocks, (laughs) if we could put 10% of that energy and focus into suicide prevention, domestic violence cases, an anti-gang policy we could actually save some lives we could we could do some real good and my big frustration with the all, with the constant and immediate like let's ban whatever was used in this particular crime that we only talk about because it was committed by and at white people like like we we see crimes committed against white people and we jump all over let's ban whatever was used you know instead of let's talk about who's actually being victimized like one of the funnier things you know the new this isn't funny at all but a weirder thing the weapon of choice right now in europe for uh for lone wolf jihadists is cars Mm -hmm. trucks whatever cars trucks whatever um no one's talking about banning trucks. Mm-hmm. There are people talking about revoking the licenses of young Muslim men, which, like, doesn't that just sound crazy?
0: <laughs> well, the I, I mean, you think that revoking their driver's license is going to stop them from <laughs> getting behind the wheel? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the, not all these guys have had per- necessarily had permission to drive these trucks. I
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, like... I get that some tools are more well, useful than others. People are others.
0: reactionary when it comes to these sort of things. I mean, they want to something happens, they want to, you know, they're they're reactionary. They want to react to what it's like after nine eleven. You know, it was all about you know keeping you know anything sharp off of airplanes, right?
1: But we always we always react in these super counterproductive ways. Mm-hmm. Like there are glaring the point of this Washington Post editorial that this young woman wrote is that there are these big glaring areas where we could do a lot of good with more targeted programs. And incidentally, the the thing about domestic violence, if we took, if we put a real national focus, if we were like, we have a domestic, you know, we need to declare war on domestic violence. This is the war on domestic abuse. If we put focus on that, the same way that we have tried to put focus on guns, the same way we have tried to yeah. put focus on drugs, if we put focus on domestic violence and domestic abuse in a similar capacity with you know drastically increased funding, much more strict guidelines, then someone like the Las Vegas shooter maybe would not have slipped through the cracks yeah because yeah. he he was someone who had had complaints filed against of him of course
0: you never you can't take anyone's civil rights away unless they've been convicted of something
1: correct but my understanding is that most domestic abusers don't get convicted in large part because it turns into a he said she said Mm -hmm. case and there's really just not enough public there's there's not enough public consensus that we need to take these things seriously all right
0: At the same time, I think the government is well within its rights to regulate something like bump stocks. I mean, yeah, banning bump stocks, I don't think for one second that it's going to be any sort of (laughs) panacea. I don't know that it's going to even prevent one crime. At the same time, I don't know. I can't really think of any reason why they should be (laughs) legal. So it's kind of like...
1: Right. My my fundamental response to that is because that's not the point. mm -hmm. You're you're We should never have to ask why should a thing be Mm -hmm. legal. You know why should spoilers on people's cars be legal? They don't actually do anything to cars. They just make you look like an idiot.
0: Yeah, but they only make you look like an idiot. They don't actually make your driving any more dangerous.
1: Ah, but people who have spoilers on their cars are probably more statistically likely to commit vehicular manslaughter.
0: Right, but that's a that's a correlation. It has nothing to do with the, the cause. The, the the spoiler doesn't actually cause the vehicle to handle more dangerously. It's it's purely cosmetic. <laughs>
1: on yeah. for for problem drivers so i can identify them on
0: the road. <laughs> the thing is bump stocks are not cosmetic bump stocks have a real effect
1: but for most people they are cosmetic mm-hmm. for most people they're just like a thing you fuck around with mm. i mean most most high-powered rifles in the united states commercially available high-powered rifles are owned by collectors not by not even by hunters they're owned by collectors People like to collect shiny things. It's a toy. So one of the
0: other things about the Las Vegas shooter is just the amount of guns and ammo he was able to acquire. And something I've found myself wondering every time one of these things happen is should there be any sort of limits or or should anybody be keeping track of the when when people buy these massive amounts of ammunition and, and guns should that. Should you be able to do that without really anyone knowing about it or keeping tabs on it? or I mean, when someone stockpiles thousands and thousands of rounds of ammo, should that not be a red flag? That maybe something's a little amiss? I mean, with ammo, you could just be
1: throwing a party.
0: Uh... Yeah, but thousands and thousands
1: of rounds. You can go through a lot at a range mm-hmm. or on a hunting trip if you're bad. Well, yeah, if you own a range or
0: something. But if somebody's, you know, spending tens of thousands of dollars on ammo. I don't know. People. It's. it's I mean, if you own know. a shooting range, it would be easy to say to the ATF, yeah, I own a shooting range. And I, you know, have these licensed automatic weapons that I let people shoot, shoot to, you know, get their rocks off. Whatever. So. You have a good reason, but.
1: So there's a YouTube channel that I really enjoy called Scala Grimm, that is a guy who's I think vaguely Germanic uh, who lives up on Vancouver Island. And he does reviews of historical weapons. He's a He's a very intense historical weapon and historic European martial arts enthusiast. And he has at any given point in his home... A dozen or multiple dozens of fully functional swords, knives, guns he runs a youtube channel mm-hmm. he's been he's been put in hot water for that before he's been put on watch lists you know I think he's been accosted by law enforcement. Some people just like to collect things, some people like to have things. Having a bunch of weapons does not mean you're necessarily going to use them. In the case of Scaligrim, he does use them uh insofar as he reviews. He's got he's got weapons of all kinds coming and going from his home all the time, because this is what he does now, is he reviews weapons online. Uh mostly swords and knives.
0: Yeah, I, my my question isn't should people not should people not be allowed to have
1: that? But should it be completely
0: unregulated?
1: So, in the case of this particular person, I would point out that part of what he's doing, he's entertaining people. Right. He's created monetized YouTube videos right. that entertain people in exchange for ad space or Patreon donations or whatever. He brings entertainment to people. He creates value. He creates wealth. He's doing something that is good, that is fundamentally good. And any law that restricts uh people's ability to stockpile weapons is inevitably going to negatively impact this guy and other people like him who create entertainment or who write books or like there are people who use these things to create is my point and not all those people should be on watch lists what do you think of all this chris
0: when, what I'm just curious. I mean, I thought you were trying to say something earlier. No. Uh, Let's we'll just cut that part out. Okay. I thought, I thought you were you're trying to interject with something. Okay. okay. I don't know. I mean, at some point... At some point, you know, just having it be completely unreg- un- unregulated free-for-all, it's, it feels like we're just kind of asking for something
1: well, like this. But it's not an unregulated free-for-all. It's a very heavily, but... It's a heavily and poorly regulated free-for-all simultaneously. <laughs> it's a really shittily regulated free-for-all where some aspects of weapon ownership are, are heavily regulated or heavily scrutinized and other aspects of it are not. And it's, and it's because of this weird hodgepodge where on the one hand you have people who mostly know nothing about weapons screaming for gun control and on the other hand, you have people who do know some things about weapons, but who oppose any and all control, and those people working out compromises creates shitty policy. That's very true. I mean, I
0: think a lot of people are very justified in being upset when they see these things happen that that really don't happen a lot in, in other developed countries. And and they, And we ask ourselves, okay, why does this keep happening here? Why do we keep having these mass casualty events where dozens right, but of people get shot
1: it's not like people like to throw quotes around about like america being the most gun havingest country we're really not per capita other really we're, we're, we're got more guns than people <laughs> uh switzerland is the great example uh and it's funny because i was talking to someone else about this about gun control generally and i was about to bring up switzerland i mean, I mean
0: switzerland is kind of unusual in the, in the sense that you, members of the military store their guns in their own homes so that kind of
1: makes it and just, and <laughs> who's a member of the military in switzerland well practically everyone everyone Right. it's a draft country but it's and not you're in the not reserve t- but the thing is the gun there's the, them
0: over there the guns are pretty evenly distributed here you know the vast majority of the guns are in the hands of just a, a few percent you know you've got a lot you've got a few people with lots and lots of guns as opposed to everyone with one or two
1: right they have a more fairly and evenly armed populace mm-hmm. whereas we have lots of people who are not armed and those people tend to then be victims
0: well i don't know about that but
1: <laughs> it does happen. there's not I mean, there's not they're they're more... it wouldn't
0: have done you much good to be armed in in las vegas no
1: no las vegas is a very I mean, the thing about Las Vegas is that it was a very singular event Mm -hmm. in lots of different ways. Uh, Things like that rarely happen in Vegas. Uh, The situation where he knocked out a massive piece of stormproof glass. Like, that's weird. Mm -hmm. There's, I don't, I'm not, I am not a conspiracy person i intend to wait until the authorities have a clear statement and in general i will trust what the authorities tell us about what happened but there is something particularly weird about him having hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of equipment that was then carted up into his room and then knocking out like weatherproof glass like with a sledgehammer apparently Sledgehammer makes more sense, but like, how did no one figure that out sooner? You know. Well, I mean, depending on where the glass landed,
0: it may have landed in an area where there weren't any people. I don't know exactly what's directly under there, but it I mean, it, lot. yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I mean, it was the it was nighttime. It probably took people a little while to figure out. Maybe some glass rained down and no one was standing around where it landed, and you know, it all took place over just a few minutes. So. That's true. I mean maybe it just land it might have just landed onto a roof below. Yeah, but yeah. I mean it's I mean that they found the hammer right next to the window.
1: It's it's just very weird that like this was such a thoroughly planned out mm-hmm. thing with just no no motive, nothing that could have been traced. I mean this is what really if we want to talk about like who is who, like what are we supposed to do to stop events like this?
0: Or just what are we supposed to do in response?
1: This to is it? what the FBI is supposed to be doing yeah. Like that's their job. We have huge we have massive law enforcement apparatuses, mm-hmm. apparatuses that are uh tasked with finding people like this in all sorts of ways, and they have huge amounts of tools, a lot of leeway about how to find people like that and for the most part as far as we understand it they do for the most part people who want to commit crimes like this are caught before they commit them um but in this case you know a lot of suspicious behavior it looks like before this happened and yet no clear motive we still mm. don't know why we know that isis took credit for it
0: <laughs> yeah well they'll take credit for anything won't they
1: yeah and there's a i have seen people sharing around a thing about how he might have um converted to islam like a week before but i don't think i've seen that in any particularly reputable places so this being an actual isis thing seems pretty unlikely um Hmm. we probably have to wrap so, well what else did you want to talk about? <laughs> well the like, the only other got thing some time. the only other thing I wanted to mention, which I brought up in the car earlier, was where I'm coming from sort of most fundamentally and this is an area where I think we're also in a little bit of disagreement is I see the second amendment as being part of the checks and balances. And It is my understanding, it's my reading of the founding fathers of both the founding documents of our country and also of their letters, their journals, their op-eds for and against each other, that there was a real core group of people, including Jefferson, who believed that from time to time, we would need to have violent revolution to overthrow a government that had acquired too much power. And... That either with that in mind, or even uh, in order to forego that, mm-hmm. then an armed populace, a populace that the government is fundamentally afraid of, mm. is necessary <laughs> for the continued survival and health of democracy. And I,
0: I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I really buy that, especially in this modern era. I mean, up until the Heller decision. In in the Supreme Court, no no one the Supreme Court had never interpreted the Second Amendment to mean an individual right to bear arms. It had never it had never meant that before, and I, I just don't think that armed insurrection is really what they were thinking about with the Second Amendment.
1: I do. I mean, because that's what they, they did, and, and
0: it seems kind of ridiculous today the idea of a bunch of ragtag people with with rifles, you know, overthrowing the United States military. It's just, so to me, it's just ridiculous. Well, <laughs> this idea that we're defending, you know, and I mean, that's the whole point of this country is that we, you know, is the ballot box is our mechanism for change, that we have peaceful transition of power, that we have an election and then, and then the loser gives up and goes home and no one has to shoot a gun. Well, and that's so the whole did, idea of democracy.
1: And so did, and so did Weimar Germany. Mm-hmm. And, one of the first one of the big policies that transitioned from a democratic government into fascist totalitarianism in germany was the decision to ban the personal ownership of firearms and to collect those firearms and that was essentially they knew that that was a necessity in order to achieve what they were going to do and it worked uh, worked in Germany, didn't work out so well in Poland, where my great-great-uncle, among others, fought with the partisans in the woods and stayed alive during World War II by fighting with resistance against a modern military force. It happens. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen so much in this country because we're not, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. We're not at the point of needing an armed resistance to overthrow our government. Uh, and yet, the fact that that is a thing that could happen i mean what's the origin of the minutemen the the concept of the minutemen during the revolution is that they were ready to go in a minute right uh, that doesn't really speak to what you know when people talk about a well regulated militia the well regulated militia of the day was you have one minute Grab your boots, your hat, and a musket. Come to the town square. Get ready, they're coming. And I, in today's world, I think it is more fair and appropriate to interpret that as an endorsement of individual private gun ownership than it is to say that, no, they were just talking about things like the Michigan militia um and i do think that there's one of the things that holds back government from doing truly crazy things is fear um and that manifests in different ways it manifests at the ballot box mostly but it also manifests in the wake of things like waco where people were really upset with how the government handled that
0: but at the same time, armed rebellions don't have a very good record in this country. I think, how many successful no, <laughs> overthrows but if, of the government have there been? I, I can't think of any. Well,
1: <laughs> but, but it doesn't...
0: They've all gone pretty poorly, I would
1: say. But it doesn't need to be just that. Someone standing up for their rights and fighting back against the government mm-hmm. and then getting killed is often the first step in a non-violent revolution in this country. We have them all the time. Old, you know, old casts of government leaders are thrown out in favor of new ones. And one that really comes to mind for me is the violence of the 1968 Democratic Convention, which led to the Democratic Party eating itself alive and collapsing because the police were called in to violently put down the protests the anti-war protests Mm -hmm. and that level of violence in the streets led to that party collapsing for a decade so we get we get the results of that all the time we get we get the people lashing back when the government does overstep but if there was no threat if there was no threat of potential violence from the American people, I think that would drastically reduce the ability of the American people to non-violently overthrow the government. That certainly interesting... make it more dangerous. Like
0: I said, I, I'm not sure I buy that. that. That the idea of violent, you know, insurrection is going to is going to achieve some sort of valid.
1: <laughs> well that the, political political goal the, that the threat that the sword of damocles yeah. hanging over government yeah i is... don't I
0: don't think it needs to be violent i don't think you know if, if the people aren't going along it's
1: <laughs> but i think the threat of violent revolution the possibility that that could happen mm-hmm. enables a non-violent one to happen
0: hmm. i don't know i have a feeling whoever is, is whichever side the military is on that's always the side that's going to win it's a question of are they going to side with the people or they going to side with a tyrant? And yet, you know, here, you, here you have in some place like, and uh, yet, in, the in Vietnam Europe they, war they ended. sided with with tyrants, yeah. And that wasn't uh, because of anyone, you know, trying to violently overthrow the government. It was, you know, the people demanded it and they just well, wouldn't let up.
1: <laughs> but there were violent elements to it. There was the Weather Underground. Mm-hmm. There sure. were the Black Panthers who were not particularly violent but who were armed sure yeah, who were armed to protect themselves Ronald Reagan took care of that pretty well <laughs> um, and not in a good way I mean there's a the, there's a lot here the
0: Second amendment was great until black people decided to exercise it and then they weren't so <laughs> into it right
1: and then Republicans decided that they didn't like it as much anymore
0: well that should do it for this episode of this week in guns
1: yes <laughs> uh yeah I think that's, that's where well, stay safe. I'm your host, Lillias Rose. And I'm Ben Phelps.
0: And we are, as ever, your very precious,
1: precious snowflakes. Good night. Good night.